want to welcome everybody back out tonight. Kind of switching up our uh, topic. We were uh, talking about what's love got to do with it. We talked about that last Wednesday and also last Thursday. I'm going to pick up on that uh, the next time I'm ministering. But tonight, I changed up our topic because, uh, I don't know, this has been burning in my heart uh, and wanted to kind of dive into something that we're going to be talking about on Sundays uh, as well as uh, on some midweeks. Um, but we've been talking about peace, and we're going to continue on in that, uh, talking about receiving the peace tonight of Jesus. Amen? Receiving the peace of Jesus. And you guys can go ahead and cut those, um, what do you call these things, monitors off up here. I mean, I like how I sound, but you know, not that much. Amen. Uh, so tonight we're going to talk about receiving the peace of Jesus. If you have your Bibles, turn with me to John chapter 14. We're going to start in verse 27, and we're going to look at this in the New Living Translation, John 14, 27. We've been talking about peace and uh, waiting for God so that we can have peace. Uh, but in our studies, a couple of times we've come across uh, the phrase of the peace of Jesus, having the peace of Jesus or Jesus saying, my peace I leave with you. And that's what this area is talking about here in John 14, 27. Um, and like I said, we're going to look at this in the NLT. Uh, let's see, Matthew, Mark, Luke, John. And it's, it's very interesting. We read this over and over and over again. Um, and as we're studying about grace and peace and waiting for God, it's all starting to click and um, come together. Uh, it says, I am leaving you with, what does that say? A what? A gift. Come on. I am leaving you with what? A gift. Now, what's the gift? Peace of mind and heart. It just takes all the mystery kind of out of it. Amen? Jesus said, I'm leaving you with a gift. And this gift is peace of mind and heart. Now, one of the things that you should immediately ask yourself as a child of God is peace of mind and heart about what? Amen? Because that can be kind of vague, peace of mind and heart. But, but about what? Thank you, Jesus, for that gift. But peace of mind and heart about what? And that's what we want to answer on tonight. Uh, but the first thing I want you to see is, is peace of mind and heart is a gift from Jesus. So do you have to earn a gift? Do you have to personally pay for your own gift? You shouldn't, amen. <laughs> a gift it, all you have to do for a gift is do what? Receive it. All I got to do is receive the gift. And tonight, before you leave this place, I want to ensure that you have received the peace of Jesus. His peace, he gives to you and I as a gift. And not just any gift, it's a free gift. Somebody say free gift. Uh, let's look at this same scripture, and we're going to come back to it here. Uh, but look at the same scripture in uh, verse 27 in the Amplified. He said, peace I leave with you, my own peace. I like that. Peace I leave with you, my own peace. Jesus said, I'm not just giving you peace. Like he went to the cabinet and found, you know, there's love, there's joy, and oh, here's some peace. He said, no, 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 I'm giving you my peace. Peace I leave with you, my own peace. I, when did he give it to you? I now, 
I now give and bequeath to you. You have the peace of Jesus available to you right now. Not later on, not next week. You have it right now. Say, I have the peace of Jesus right now. Not tomorrow, not next week. I didn't have it and lose it. Uh-huh, I got it right now. He said, I give it to you, I bequeath it to you. Not as the world gives do I give to you. Do not let your hearts be troubled, neither let them be afraid. And in the brackets it says, stop allowing yourselves to be agitated and disturbed and do not permit yourselves to be fearful and intimidated and cowardly and unsettled. He said, I'm giving you my peace. And you got my peace right now. So quit tripping. That's what he said. He said, quit tripping. Stop being a punk. Quit tripping. Understand that you got my peace right now. You are not defeated. Depression can't have a hold on you. Sickness can't have a hold on you. Poverty can't have a hold on you. Haters can't have a hold on you. Liars can't have a hold on you. Bills can't have a hold on you. Issues in your marriage can't have a hold on you. There is nothing in this earth that is seeking to unsettle you that can gain ground because you got my peace. It's a gift, and you have it right now. So as I read this and as I study this, I begin to reflect even on my own personal life, and as you should, George, and you should start stopping and thinking, and wait a minute, what is it that I am allowing to trouble me? What's, what's rocking my boat? What's messing with me? Because according to the word, just, just, just one scripture alone, it has no authority in my life because I got the peace of Jesus. If you understand that so far, say amen. Peace, he promises. And as you look further into this, this peace that he promises at the end of the day, it's the promise of salvation. It's the promise of soteria. It's the promise of, uh, of literally nothing missing, lacking, or broken in your life. Why? Because you have all that I'm going to provide for you through the right relationship that you are going to have once again with the Father. I'm leaving that gift to you. You're going to get it because of my blood. You're going to get it because of my sacrifice. And I'm giving it to you. I have this peace. I have this authority. I have this assurance already, Jesus is saying. And what I'm about to do is I'm about to share what I got with you. So all the assurance, all the power, all the ability, all the goodness that I have because of my relationship with the Father, I'm about to leave this to you. All the forgiveness, all the righteousness, all the everything. He's saying, I'm leaving this to you, so don't be unsettled. I don't know about you, but it's time for us to decide to receive what Jesus has given. Go with me to John chapter 16. Let's look at verses 5 through 11. Now, here, and we're, again, we're going to look at this in a New Living Translation. Now, Jesus said, I'm leaving you this peace, I'm leaving you salvation, I'm leaving you oneness with God, I'm leaving you whole, I'm leaving you all that peace is. But Jesus knowing 
how we are as humans, having been human himself in, in the flesh. He said, I'm not going to just, actually go back to 14, I want to show you something. He said, I'm not going to just give you this peace and this gift without someone to ensure that this gift is insured. You ever thought about, for those of you guys who are parents in here, getting your kid a car and one of the things that runs through your mind is, man, I better make sure I got insurance on this thing. It's not that I don't trust my kid, but I kind of don't trust my kid. <laughs> I love them, but this gift that I'm about to give them is pretty powerful, and this gift that I'm about to give them is pretty important, and things can just tend to happen. And because I'm a responsible parent and I'm a loving parent, I'm going to give them the gift, but then I'm going to make sure it's insured. And I'm here to tell you that while God, through Jesus, gave us the gift of peace, he had an insurance plan in place. Someone, not something, someone to remind us of what he was given. So in John uh, chapter 14, and we're going to come back to 16, but in John 14, I think it's right around 25. Yeah, verse 25. Let's look at that in the New Living Translation, 1425. He said, I am telling you these things. Now, remember, Jesus is talking to the disciples, and he's talking about he's about to, you know, go to the cross, etc. He said, I'm telling you these things now while I am still with you. Verse 26. But when the Father sends the, what does that say? The advocate as my representative, that is the Holy Spirit, he will teach you everything and remind you of everything I have told you. Go to the Amplified in that. But when the Father, uh, sorry, but the Comforter, but the Comforter, but the Comforter, what does a Comforter do? When you, when you get under the Comforter in the bed, what does that do? Makes you warm, makes you comfortable, makes you have a little peace maybe for your sleep. Makes it easy. But the comforter, who is the counselor, the helper, the intercessor, the advocate, the strengthener, the standby, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, in my place, to represent me and act on my behalf, he will teach you all things and he will cause you to recall, will remind you of, bring to your remembrance everything I have told you. Now, I'm a firm believer that this, everything I have told you, is not just all the rules that we were supposed to follow. He was saying that I'm going to send the Holy Spirit to remind you who you are, what I've given you, and what I've provided. I'm giving you peace, because then right after this, he goes into verse 27. Go to verse 27. He says, peace I leave with you. So here he's talking about the Holy Spirit. And he's going to give this comfort and this counsel. He's going to remind you of things. Then he goes right into the promise of peace. He's going to remind you of everything I told you. What are you telling me? Peace I leave with you. Peace I give to you. It's my own peace. So here it is. He's saying, here's the Holy Spirit. Now here's my gift. My gift of peace. I firmly believe that he's saying the Holy Spirit is going to remind you of what I'm giving you. Because if we can remember what Jesus has provided through his peace, if we can remember what salvation gives us, 
if we can remember that we're the righteousness of God, if we can remember that all is well in our life, if we can remember that God is not a man that he shouldn't lie, that he is love and he will never leave us nor forsake us, if, he can remember, if we can remember those things, then what can we not do? But of course, in our self-effort era, uh, we've took, taken the scripture and believe that it's saying that the Holy Spirit is going to remind us of all the rules that we're supposed to live by. Wait a minute, the only thing I need to do to be saved is believe. So the only thing the Holy Spirit is going to be reminding me of is believe what Jesus said. Believe what he's provided. Believe in who you are. And somebody might say, well, I, don't, I hear what you're saying, but I don't think I understand that. I need to see that. Well, let me show you. Go to, uh, now go to John 16, uh, verse 5. And we'll go back to the New Living Translation. John 16, verse 5. Now, if, if you had a New Living Translation Bible in front of you, literally, this section has like titles. You ever seen those Bibles like that? They have like little subsection titles in it. And this particular section is called the work of the Holy Spirit. The work of the Holy Spirit. It is telling you this is the Holy Spirit's job. Now, Jesus has said, I'm leaving my peace with you. It's a free gift. It's yours. Don't be afraid of nothing because you got my peace. And then he says, but I'm going to leave the comforter for you to remind you of what I told you. And I'm presenting to you the fact that the comforter's job is to remind you that you have the peace of Jesus, that all is well in your life, that you don't have to earn it, you don't have to work for it, you already got it. And then right the next chapter, or two chapters later, we see the work Jesus describing in more detail what the Holy Spirit, whom he sent in the Father's name, is going to do. Verse 5 says, but now I am going away to where? to the one who sent me, and not one of you is asking, where am I going? Instead, you grieve because what I've told you. But in fact, it is best for you that I go away. It is best for you that I go away. Why? Because if I don't, the advocate, who is the advocate? We read about him earlier. The Holy Spirit. The advocate, in another translation, it says comforter or encourager, or a counselor, the actual Greek word there is paraclete. If I don't go away, he won't come. If I do go away, then I will send him to you. Why? Because you need somebody who's going to help you and remind you of what you got. In your life, in this earth, you're going to need somebody not just to help you get the job done. When he comes upon you, he's definitely going to help you get the job done. But as he is in you, he will be the one reminding you of who you are and what I have done in your life. You need a constant cheerleader. You need a constant teacher. You need a constant counselor and reminder. And all the while, he's in you reminding you of the peace I have given you. Why? Why do we need that? Because Jesus said, because I'm not going to be physically here to do that. I'm not going to be physically here to say, hey, you're good. Hey, we're good. Hey, storm, be quiet. Hey, y'all calm down. He said, instead, I'm going to leave you a comforter who's going to do all of that for you on the inside. Because now, uh, brother and sister, now ones who are my friends, 
you're going to be the one that has to speak to the storm. You're going to be the one that has to be in the crowd and calming everybody down. So I'm going to send you some help so that you're good as you help other people be good. Oh, some of y'all didn't hear that. Because you are now walking in my ability, my authority. You are now, let me just say it as it is, the Jesus on earth. I'm going to give you what I had. I had a direct assurance and relationship right with the Father. And so will you. I'm going to send the Holy Spirit, and now you got him on the inside able to hear God directly and receive direct downloads from him, but also able to receive 100% assurance that all is well because I, I was human and I understand that things may get a little rough. You may feel a little down. You may get a little discouraged. But the Holy Spirit who is on the inside of you will remind you of certain things to let you know that my peace hasn't left you. He said, if I, if I do go away, then I will send him to you. Verse 8. And when he comes, he will do what? Convict the world of its sin and of God's righteousness and of the coming judgment. Three things he's going to do. He's going to convict the world of sin and of God's righteousness and, his, and of its coming judgment. He's going to convict the world of sin and of God's righteousness and of the coming judgment. Now again, if you read this and don't rightly divide it, you will see this scripture says, you will see that this scripture says, oh, the Holy Spirit came to tell me that I'm sinning. Why? Because the old way of thinking, the self-effort way of thinking said that we constantly need to get ourselves together so that we can qualify for the goodness of God. But that's not how it works. We understand that. We're saved by grace through faith. And it literally says, not of works, not of yourselves, lest any man should boast. So understanding that this is not talking about he's convicting the world of its sin in the sense of saying you're wrong, you need to get together. It's saying something totally different. If we, and if, if you read on, <laughs> you'll see it literally defines itself. How many guys know you need to let the word of God define itself? So let's see what it's actually meaning with these three things. Uh, verse 9. So first of all, convicting the world of his sin, it picks it up right there. The world's sin is, now you ought to be paying attention. Here's the sin problem that it's talking about the Holy Spirit is going to convict us of. And another translation says, convince us of. The world's sin is that it what? Refuses to believe, to believe, to believe in me. It didn't say that the world's sin problem was that it smokes too much weed. Or that the world's sin problem is having too much sex. Or that the world's sin problem is, you know, all of those things are indeed incorrect and wrong. But the root of all sin is unbelief. And the Holy Spirit is here to remind folks, hey, if you want to fix the sin problem, you need to believe in what Jesus has already done. Because if you believe in what Jesus has already done, you will receive his forgiveness and you will all of a sudden realize, I don't have a sin problem because I'm a believer. 
See, some of you, that's hard for you to understand because what you're doing is you're looking at the fact that you may commit a sin and you're still calling yourself a sinner. Those are two totally different things. I can't be saved and then still be labeled a sinner. A sinner is one who is without Christ, without God, without this peace. Now, I may be saved, and this, this freaks a lot of people out when I say this. I may indeed be saved, but I am still in, I am still in progress of perfection. I've literally been having a lot of conversations with, with Christians lately, and they, 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 they literally are, it's, a, it's hilarious, they're blowing their tops when I say that. No, 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 the Holy Spirit lives on the inside of us, so we are perfect in him. Oh, really? Okay, well, that's great. We are indeed perfect as we put on Christ. When God looks at us, he sees Christ. But as you and I function on earth, we are still working out things. Our minds are still being renewed. You didn't cuss nobody out today, but come tomorrow, if somebody pushed the right button, you just might slip. And what he's saying is, is that you still got my peace even if you slip. That's not giving you an excuse to slip, but it is giving you an assurance if you do. See, that's the difference. People think, well, you can't say that because if you say that, then you're per uh, permitting people to sin. You don't need my permission to sin. You was doing it anyway. What I'm trying to help you understand is, is that there is an assurance that Christ died for those sins you're going to commit, have committed, and used to commit. And as you rest in the fact that I'm forgiven, but I still need to continue to work to honor God in the sense of I'm working to honor him because I love him. I'm not working to honor him because I'm trying to earn my way into heaven. It's a whole other motivation because you're doing it from a whole nother position. I'm not doing it from a position of I'm trying to, I'm trying to get in because I don't want to get to the pearly gates and Peter turns me away. I hate to tell you, I don't think Peter's at the gate. And your sin is not keeping you out of heaven. The sin issue is that people choose not to believe exactly what I'm saying right now. He said, they won't believe in me. Who is he? He's the one who died for your sins. I mean, this is really simple when you, when you just stop and just think about it. They won't believe that my blood was enough. They won't believe that I love them so much that there is now no condition that will cause my love to fail for them. They won't believe that I took those stripes for them. They won't believe that I hung on that cross for them. They won't believe that my blood purchased them back and now they are right with God. They won't believe in me. Instead, what they're believing in is their own ability to try to earn their way into heaven. And every person who is trying to earn their way in heaven is living in sin. That's hard for some people to hear, but that's the truth. He didn't say they won't believe in the law. He didn't say they won't believe in my rules. He said they won't believe in me. Who is he? He's your savior. They won't believe in me, their savior. They won't believe in me, who is grace. They won't believe the truth about what I did. We've been raised. I mean, let me just ask you, how many of y'all been raised with the opposite of that? That, that you got to do right in order to get into heaven. 
fool. Look around. You ain't the only one. So it takes time to kind of undo that thinking, but it's right here in front of us. What we've done is we've taken that scripture and we've slightly twisted it and said, won't believe, they refuse to believe in me means they refuse to believe in my commandments. Well, he's not his commandments. That's not, that's not what he's saying. And by the way, his commandment was wrapped up in love the Lord your God with all your heart, mind, soul, and strength, love your neighbor as yourself. Well, Archie, what that means, what that means is then we ought to do everything he says. Well, I seem to recall the rich young ruler who turned around to Jesus when he said these same things. And then the rich young ruler turned and said, hey, I've done, I've kept all the laws. I've worked and performed and I've done it all. And I seem to remember at the end of that conversation, he walked away sad at the saying of what Jesus told him. That was an example of your performance will never be enough. This joker said, I'm keeping all the laws. And then Jesus, who is God, stood right in front of him and gave him another thing to do, and he couldn't do it. He kept everything else now but that. If you can't keep all the laws, I mean, one of the laws, you're guilty of what? All of them. And here it is, Jesus saying, oh, you did all that? Cool. Okay, sell everything you got and follow me. Can't do it. He met the end of himself. Performance is not the way into righteousness. Believing is. I said believing is. I said believing is. Why are you repeating that? Because I need you to believe to believe. Where do I believe that? Do I believe in my body? Do I believe in my spirit? I believe with my mind. Man is a three-part being. We're a spirit, we have a soul, we live in a body. Whenever you're reading the word of God, you need to pause and try to figure out if, if you're trying to get better, if you're trying to grow, if you're trying to learn and improve, what part of this is it speaking to so that you rightly divide the word of truth? We read this and we think, oh, yeah, I, 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 gotta, I gotta stop sinning, so I, I better stop smoking. I gotta stop sinning, so I better stop. No, no, no. He said, believe. Where, where do you believe that? That's right here. So now you know, I got to work on this. I got to make sure that I'm believing. Well, how do I change the, the way I believe? I change the way I think. How do I change the way I think? With different words. Words shape our thinking. So now I'm not going to change my believing if I listen to every worldly thing there is out there. I'm just going to stay with worldly thinking. But if I begin to get into, into the things of God, then I'll have godly thinking. And I'll begin to line up and believe him. And this is the work of the Holy Spirit. He is here to convince us that sin is no longer an issue in our life as long as we choose to believe in what the finished works of Jesus has done. If you understand that, say amen. amen. All right, next, number two. Amen, praise God. Number, uh, number two, uh, verse 10. Second thing was about righteousness. Now, what is righteousness? Righteousness is me being in right standing with God. So he's telling me, listen, sin, no longer an issue. That's about people not believing in what Jesus has done. But number two, righteousness. I'm here to convince you about your righteousness. It's available because I go to the Father and you will see me no more. When I go to the Father, I'm up there as your advocate as well. And when he looks at you, he's going to see me. When he looks at you, he's going to see me. If I don't leave here, he'll still see you. 
But when I die and my blood is shed and then I, I come back and then I go to heaven, I'm going to be seated at the right of the Father advocating for you. And when he looks at you, he's going to see me. And when he sees me on you, guess what? You will be right. Not because of what you're doing. Because of what I'm doing. Not because of what you can do. Not because of how good you can be. But because of how good I am. The Holy Spirit is still convincing us that Jesus is at work for us. Look at it, it says it. Righteousness is available because I go. Righteousness is available because I'm at work. Righteousness is available because I'm doing something. Not because of you. What does it say we have to do right here? I'm going to say, you sound angry. I know I'm trying to calm down. <laughs> but look, what's the work for you and I? Nothing. Nothing. Here, the first one is me believing. The second one is he's going to the Father. And he went to the, he, he went to the Father, and I got righteousness. He went to the Father, and I was made right with God. He went to the Father, and me with all my issues, me with all my, 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 my whatevers, received peace. I didn't earn it. I sure enough don't deserve it. But I got it. Because he went to the Father. Please show me where our effort has anything to do with our righteousness. And if our effort can't get us righteous, then how in the world is your effort going to lose you righteousness? The law of reciprocals have to be in place. I cannot get righteousness as a free gift, but then if I sin, I lose my righteousness. That's not how it works. That's why it's called grace. It's unearned, undeserved favor. I'll say that again. It's unearned and undeserved favor. He went and died. Well, actually, he went and got beat. Then he got crucified. Then he died, then he rose again, and then he went to heaven. And because he did all of that, you get the goodness of God in your life. Your job is just to believe. And the Holy Spirit is on the inside of you, reminding you and convincing you of this truth. But man and Satan are working overtime trying to convince you that none of what I'm saying is true. And even religious man is working now overtime. Oh, you over at that other church that come from Creflo, huh? He owned that great stuff. He might as well go on. I wish he went and started talking about money again because at least, you know, that was in the Bible. But it's in the Bible too. Just don't nobody read it. Amen. This is your freedom. And you shall know the truth in what? The truth will set you free. We always just read, oh, the truth is going to set me free. Oh, no, no, no. Read the whole scripture. When you know it, you got to know the truth and then be set free. There's a lot of people reading the Bible and thinking they are getting the truth and they're still in bondage. They still think that if I miss a church service, I am going to hell. Y'all know what I'm saying is the truth? You grew up like that. 
My, <coughs> I, I think <coughs> I'm sick. You better get up out that bed and go to church. Jesus is going to heal you, <coughs> but I'm about to die. That's doubt and unbelief. You better get up. I mean, I mean, you know, I'm not trying to say we preached doubt and unbelief, but I mean, we, we got so religious that we went so far to the left with the thing that we, we left grace out of the whole equation, trying to chase after just faith. Oh, I know I'm stepping into some interesting areas for people, but that's what happened. We, we, we left the whole part that you, you're a human being who is in a process. It's the same reason that when we do church fast, we have to tell parents, your three-year-old don't need to be on the fast. Because we get so deep. And then your child got deficiencies. Be, be, yeah, passed out, literally passing out and stuff. And then you want to call the church talking about, well, it's not working. No! I almost said something. <laughs> Depot, <laughs> because that's not for your kid. So we had to tell people, hey, if your child is under this age or whatever, you know, uh, first of all, they might want to, you know, if you wanted them to participate in fasting, if your child's in elementary school, you might want to fast the cartoons or something like that because people were getting deep. Why? Because that's that religious spirit of trying to figure out God without God. Trying to be God or be like God without God. You got the voice of the Holy Ghost on the inside of you, teaching you everything. He'll tell you exactly what you need to know, but he'll be constantly reminding you, you are the righteousness of God. If you understand that, say amen. amen. Uh, number three, let's go to the next one. The third thing that he talked about was the Holy Spirit is going to convince or convict you of, what's that first word? Judgment. Now, what have we learned about judgment uh, before we came here and began to learn the world changers? Judgment was all about who? Me. If I don't do right, I am going to end up in hell. Burning in the everlasting flame with worms going in and out of my body. Y'all know, y'all saw that little, you know, you left behind and what was that other movie they, they showed the people in hell and stuff like that? And they, they showed that to you in teen ministry to freak you out. People's heads getting chopped off at the after the tribulation and all that type of stuff. Yes, you are judged. Well, you know, if you don't get saved, that applies to you. But once you're saved, that no longer applies to you. There is a judgment for your sins. Did you hear what I said? There is a judgment for your sins. You have the unbeliever who that punishment applies to because they have yet to believe. They have yet to put on Christ. They have yet to receive him, so they haven't got the benefits of his peace yet. But for the believer, these sins for the unbeliever have to be paid, and these sins for the believer have to be paid. Both have to be paid. Here's the interesting thing. Both were paid for. That's what Jesus did on the cross. He paid for the unbeliever's sin, and he paid for the believer's sin. They're both paid for. The only difference between this guy and that guy, this gal and that girl, is this one believes. Oh, y'all don't hear what I'm saying right now. The only difference between you and the other person is you chose to believe. You're one belief away from hell. <laughs> That's it. 
That's it. You're not, you're not 17,000 church services away from hell. You're not $50,000 away from hell. You're not, uh, I don't know, 100,000 Hail Marys away from hell. It has nothing to do with your performance. You just made one decision, and it was the most important decision that you'll ever make in all of your life. You chose to believe in Jehovah. You chose to believe in Jesus. You chose to believe in his blood. You chose to believe in his sacrifice. And because of that, you received his peace, and now you are are safe and that's why we we got to get out and talk to this other guy and say whether you receive the gift or not it's sitting on your porch peace is waiting for you yeah but you know I'm once I once I get right I'm gonna come into the church wait you want to try to get right on your own which you will never accomplish because that will require you to be God. When rightness has been laid at your feet, all you got to do is pick it up and put it on. It's yours. Yeah, but, but what, what they're really saying is, is I don't understand this salvation thing. I don't see how he loves me so much that I have forgiveness for all the crazy crap that I've done. There has to be something I got to give to make this right with him. There has to be something that I have to lay down at the altar, and I haven't earned enough yet to pay for my sins. That's what they're saying. I haven't saved up enough yet. I haven't got enough courage yet to step into the house of God and, 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 and lay myself on the altar. I'm not ready yet. And what they're saying is, is I'm not ready to be Jesus. Because that's what he did. He, 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 he lived right enough that his blood was enough to atone. He was the sacrifice that laid himself down. And what that person is actually saying is, is I'm trying to get myself to the place that I am righteous enough to now be the payment for my sins. To pay for my judgment. And what the Holy Spirit will minister to that person is judgment will come because the ruler of this world has already been judged. Judgment now is for Satan. Oh, okay, let me show you that. Uh, go, and, go to this in Amplified. Same, the same uh, verse right here. It says, about righteousness, uprightness of heart, and standing with God, because I go to my Father and you see me no longer, verse 11. About judgment, because the ruler, the evil genius prince of this world, who is that? Who is that? You are not the evil genius prince of this world. Satan is judged, and not only judged, is condemned and sentenced already is passed upon him. Now here's the interesting thing. As it relates to your sins, your sins were judged, you and I were condemned, and the sentence of death was indeed passed upon us. But Jesus came and rescued us. So because he rescued you, you're good. You're not playing double dutch with the lake of fire. I'm in, I'm out, I'm in, I'm out. No, you, you're, you're saved. 
And the Holy Spirit is constantly doing his work of trying to remind you, you got the peace of Jesus. You, you got all that he's given. You got all that he's had. You are not some little broke, busted, disgusted sinner. You are sons and daughters of God. And it's time that you believe it so that you can act like it. I can never act like something I don't believe. If I don't believe I'm an athlete, a good one, <laughs> I don't care what field you put me on, I don't care what opportunities you give me, I don't care who's around me, I'm going to fail as an athlete if I don't believe I'm a good athlete. If I don't believe I can drive a car, I don't care what type of car I got. I don't care how much training you've given me. If I don't believe, I'm going to fail while trying to drive that, operate that car. If I'm a doctor and I got all the certificates but I don't believe I'm a good doctor, I don't care how many operations I perform, I'm going to botch the majority of them, if not all of them, why? Because I can only do, I can only be who I believe I am. And that's why the enemy's after your belief. He wants to get you into unbelief so that you will start trying to work to become who you already are. His whole goal is to get you into self-effort. If you understand that, say amen. amen. So, do you have the peace of Jesus? Yes. I said, do you have the peace of Jesus? Yes. Who is helping remind you of that? Yes. Who? So the work of the Holy Spirit, it's safe to say, is to help you maintain your peace. He's not here just to help you. He's here to help you maintain that peace so that you can confess the word, so that you can go where God tells you to go, so you can lay hands on whoever he tells you to lay hands on, so you can do the work of the Lord on earth as Jesus did, and then greater works. See, we have to settle that all is well with us because we got the peace of Jesus. My money ain't funny no more. My health is good. All is well with my household. All is well on my job. I'm good to go. The Holy Spirit jacked me up and turned me around and counseled me and helped me and advocated for me and helped me get myself together. I'm good to go. He reminded me that I got the peace of Jesus. Now, Holy Spirit come up on me because we got work to do. Many of us have been just living in the Holy Spirit in us phase. In us try to remind us and try to you got peace, you're good, you're good, you're good. He's like, yes, yes, I'm glad you're finally getting it because I'm ready to be up on you because we got work to do. We got work to do. In you is cool. But do you remember when Jesus got baptized, the Holy Spirit came up on him. And when the Holy Spirit came upon him, it was no longer about him trying to remember who he was or be convinced otherwise. I wish I had time, and, and maybe we'll dive into it. We will dive into it as we get deeper into this series. But leading up to that point, the, 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 uh, the, uh, the, the enemy, Satan, was coming at him. When he went out and fasted for 40 days, 
And it was all about his identity. If you be the son of God, if you, da, 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 if you, if you, if you. And that was right after he got baptized. He was trying to come out of his identity and he passed the test. Why? He had the Holy Spirit in him. And the Holy Spirit was doing his job. You're good. You're good. You're the son of God. Remember when the dove came down or the, or the spirit like a dove came down? This is my beloved son in whom I'm well pleased. And then the Holy Spirit was like, remember what he just said? The devil said, if you be the son of God. Holy Spirit, do you remember what he just said? And he was convinced and he was assured, I'm good. And then he went on about doing the work that he had to do. You got to do the same thing. You got to be assured that when the attacks come, you got to be assured that when the voice of the enemy comes, you got to be assured when the sickness comes, you got to be assured when the disease tries to come, uh, when the divorce tries to come, when the uh, poverty tries to come, when any spirit that ain't like God tries to come, you have to be assured you're good. Why? Because God said you are his son. God said you are his beloved daughter, and he is pleased with you. I don't think those words were just thrown out there arbitrarily. I think it was a reminder for us as believers that not only are we the children of God, but because we are the righteousness of God and we believe in Jesus, God is pleased with us. How? He can't be pleased with my behavior. Remember, your behavior has nothing to do with it. When he looks at you, he sees Jesus. He's pleased with you because he's pleased with Christ on you and Christ in you. He's pleased with you. You got the peace of Jesus. So you have the pleasure of God. You got to understand that. You don't get the pleasure of God just because you're so good. You get the pleasure of God because you took on all of who Jesus is, all of who Christ is. You got, so when God looks at you, he's like, that's my daughter. That's my son. That's my daughter. That's my son. Now the world would tell you, or the, or the Christian a religious world would tell you, you are only be identified just through your works. That's incomplete, not fully correct. God sees you and he sees his stamp on you. The Holy Spirit on the inside of you identifies that you're his child. Now, when you believe and you listen to what the Holy Spirit is saying, and you allow him to rule and reign and guide your life, the fruit of letting the Holy Spirit guide your life will be love. Now comes in the works part. Now that I believed, it's convincing, it's convicted. I am now saying I am ready to do what you want me to do, Holy Spirit. I receive the peace that Jesus has given me, and now I'm ready to go to work. And then he'll say, Here's what you do. Here's what you say. Here's where you go. And then it will be further evidence that you are indeed a son and daughter of God because the Holy Spirit is leading your life. But notice, the works have nothing to do with trying to earn anything from God. It's like you understand I've already graduated and I'm out here now operating in my degree. I'm not still trying to earn a degree. I, I already got that. I'm, I'm saved. I'm good. I am now operating in what I know, and what I know is based on what he's telling me. Does that make sense? So it's no longer we're still trying to earn. The Holy Spirit's job is trying to convince you there's nothing left to earn. Jesus finished it all. If you understand that, say amen. So do you have that? You sure? You positive? All right, let's keep going. 
Go with me to Romans chapter 5. We're going to look at uh, verse 1 in the NLT. <coughs> Romans 5.1. So who has the peace of Jesus? Who has the peace of Jesus? Who's helping you maintain that peace? What's one of the ways he does that? Convincing me of what? <coughs> we don't have to earn anything. What's, dang it, what's one of the first things uh, he um, convinces you about? Righteousness. Uh huh. What's another one? Judgment. <coughs> what's the other one? Righteousness, judgment. One more. Believing. Yes. Believing. So, believing is the first one. <coughs> Righteousness is the second one. And then judgment is the third one. But uh, as far as believing, that's about sin. That the sin issue is unbelief, not bad works or actions. Unbelief. What does that mean? That just simply means... My bad actions come from not believing. So if I deal with the believing issue, then they'll take care of my bad actions. But what that particular scripture is talking about is not just any unbelief. It's not believing in what Jesus did. Believing that what he did wasn't enough, so I got to do more. He's coming to convince you that that's not the issue. Jesus did a complete work. I said Jesus did a complete work. <clears throat> and he did enough for you and me forever. Righteousness, you're right with God. Judgment, you're not being judged any longer because Jesus took your judgment. You were found guilty, but it was wiped clean. But Satan is still being judged. If you understand that, say amen. So that's the work of the Holy Spirit, and he's working to help you maintain your peace. Now let's go to Romans. Romans 5.1 uh, read that with me. Let's read it all together. Ready, read. Therefore, since we have been made in whose eyes? God's sight by what? Now stop right there. It's all over the word. How are you made right with God? No, you're made right with God when you come to church every single time the door is open. You're made right with God when you treat everybody right. You may write with God when you, I don't know, do whatever. No, I may write with God by faith. Where do I have faith? In my mind. That's why I believe. Faith can be seen in my actions, but it begins right here. We skipped the whole soul process and went right to the doing. Mm, it's, it's how you believe. Because do you know that some people will do the right thing and still not believe? Oh, yeah, people do all the time. People come to church all the time and don't believe nothing they hear. And, and, and how, well, how do you know? Because they go home and don't live it. There are people that come to church and put thousands upon thousands of dollars in the bucket. And, hey, it helps get the bills paid. Praise God for that. But it doesn't have any effect in their life because they have no faith. It takes faith. 
to lay hold to what grace has made available, not works. And therefore, since we have been made right with, uh, in God's sight by faith, I'm right with him by my belief, my confidence in him and his word, by my faith. And because of that, we have peace. How do I have peace? By having what? How do I have peace? By having what? You're right. How do I have peace? By having what? Show me your works right here. I think y'all getting my point on the works, huh? Show me your works. It's by faith. We have peace with God because of what Jesus Christ, our Lord, has what? So in this scripture, where's the work? It's in there. It's, it's where? It's on who? On whose back? In whose hand? Yeah. You getting this now? He's done all the work. He's done all the work. So what am I trying to do? Well, well I want to believe. And then I say, Holy Spirit, now what do you need me to do? And my works comes to honor God. Not to earn anything. My work is to honor, not to earn. My work is to honor, not to earn. My work is to honor God, not to earn any goodness in God's sight. I believe in what Jesus did. And that's how I get righteousness. All the work is being done by Christ. All the work has been done by Jesus. And that's just verse 1. Let's keep going. Verse 2. Because of our faith, Christ has brought us. Now, what was our part? Faith. And then who's doing the work again? Christ. Who, who's doing the bringing? Christ. I'm just believing. I'm believing. He's bringing. That, that's what that says. Because of our faith, Christ has brought us into the place of, I love this, undeserved privilege. See, some of you sitting there and you wrestle with this, and some of you watching online, you're wrestling with this because you're literally saying, I don't deserve this. How, how do I get this? You're right. It is undeserved privilege. Where we now stand. When you stand in this place of undeserved privilege, grace can do what it needs to do and manifest in every area of your life. Christ has brought us into this place of undeserved privilege. Christ grabbed your hand and he brought you into the place of undeserved privilege and you now stand in that place. And we confidently and joyfully look forward to sharing God's glory. Do you see your authority in your position? You're not groveling before God. You're not in this thing like trying to get something or whatever like that. No. You got invited to the party because of Jesus. You came in on his invitation. And because he brought you into this place, he didn't just bring you there. He brought you in there and then he made you a joint heir. You got the same props and privileges now that he got. So you can stand now in this place and look forward with joy to sharing in all that Jesus gets to share in. That's good news. Verse 3. We can rejoice too 
when we run into problems and trials. Did you see that? When we run into problems and trials. I say this all the time. God didn't promise a battle-free life, life, but he promised the victory. Quit trying to be all religious and deep and, you know, uh, I ain't going to ever have no trials in my life because I'm a child of God. Jesus had trials. How you figure you ain't going to have none? Jesus got, uh, the enemy came trying to tempt Jesus. How you figure you ain't got it going to have none? Again, that's this, this, this self-effort uh, religious thing that we've created nowadays that the, 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 there's, a, there's a perfection to achieve to where you're not being tempted, to where you're never failing, to where you're never growing. You just achieve this ability to be perfect. I don't know where people are getting that from in the Bible. It literally says when you run into problems and trials, that doesn't say you have to fail, but it says you can rejoice. Why? For we know that they help do what? Develop. Wow. So there is development for the believer. If I have to develop something, that means there's a deficiency. But see, we don't, want to, we don't like to use those type of words because it makes it sound like we're weak as Christians. No, 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 no. Understand, grace is my sufficiency. Where I'm weak, he will show up and be strong. And that's where people get it twisted. They think that what we're saying is, is that because we're admitting weakness, that we will have incompleteness in our life. I'm saying Jesus completes me. And because love is on the inside of me and Jesus uh, and God who is love is on the inside of me, Christ completes me. But I can be honest and say I'm in progress. I'm weak in this area. Because when I admit that I'm weak in this area, like Paul said, I am now making room for grace to do what it needs to do. But if I want to fake it and act like I got it all together, then I get to working and God says, well, I'll wait. I had grace for you for that, but since you think you got it going on, I'll just let you do it. And all of a sudden, you're falling short. I'm getting a little ahead of myself, but, but you're falling away from that grace that he's made available. Because you think you got enough. No, admit where you're in progress. Admit where you need to develop so that grace can come in and make up the difference. But to think that you are somehow just going to magically be perfect and magically figure out how to figure all this out is to step away from God's grace and say, I don't need that for this. Because I somehow got an A on the test and now I'm ready for it on my own. And then you lie to yourself and say, because of what Jesus has done in my life. And what you're saying is because Jesus has now helped me achieve the status, the level of super Christian. And I'm here to tell you, the only S on your chest is the Savior. That's the only super you got. You got the natural, he got the super. And the sooner we understand that, the better off we'll be to receive his grace. If you understand that, say amen. Uh, verse 4. It says, and endurance develops strength of character. Uh, actually, let's go back. Let me read that all the way through because it goes together. Uh, it says, uh, we can rejoice too when we run into problems and trials, for we know that they help us develop endurance. And endurance develops strength of what? Character. Now, interesting enough, character is doing what's right because it's right and doing it right. Character is all about what you're doing. 
as pastor would say in the booth in the back of the corner. <laughs> when ain't nobody looking. Here's your works. Those trials, those tribulations, those things that pop up, you can joyfully walk through them because you know you put on Christ. You got his gift of peace. And as you're working things out, you're being developed. And as you're being developed, your endurance, your strength of character, and character strengthens our confident hope of salvation. Wow, so we're right back to the gift, the peace of salvation that he is. What is this saying? Well, you're going to go through things in life. Sometimes you're going to get it right. Sometimes you're going to have to fall back on grace, fall back on grace, not out of grace, and say, I, I don't know how to do this one. And then you'll see him show up, and you'll see things work out. And it will convince you and give you more confidence in the fact that you do have a Savior. I'll say that again. I'll try to say it a little better. What this is saying is, is when trials happen in your life, it's not saying you're going to be perfect every single time. As a matter of fact, it says the opposite. It says that there's going to be a developmental process. That means that sometimes you're going to get it right. Sometimes you may not get it as right. But every time something comes, you're going to get better and better and better. Not at doing, but at believing. What's being strengthened? Your confidence. It didn't say your ability to do anything was going to be strengthened. It said your confidence is being strengthened. Your character is being strengthened. As your confidence is being strengthened, yes, you will do better time and time and time again. But it, it's all happening up here. You're, you're becoming more and more confident of the fact that I've got a Savior because I didn't know how to do that. I didn't know how to work that out, but I listened to the Holy Spirit, and, and, and it worked out. So, so, so I, man, Jesus, this whole salvation thing, this is real. Because I didn't know what to do. I was about to mess it up. I did mess it up last time this happened. But this time I learned and I actually did it your way. And now I'm getting better. And now I'm growing. And that's how you develop as a believer. If you understand that, say amen. amen. But it's not about what I'm doing. It's not about me earning. It's about me believing in what he's done. Verse 5. And this hope will not lead to disappointment. Say, I will not be disappointed. Not another day. Not another day in my life. Because I trust Jesus. You trust Jesus, you ain't got to worry about disappointment. Why? Because the Holy Spirit is going to lead you to places of peace. For we know how dearly God loves us. Because he has given us the Holy Spirit to fill our hearts with his love. Verse uh, 6. When we were utterly helpless... Christ came at just the right time and died for us as sinners. Now, here's one of the places I make the argument of why you're no longer a sinner by title and by nature. He died so that you would not be what you were when he found you. Christ came, showed up. When he showed up, you were a sinner. By the time he left, you were saved. For you to still be a sinner by nature and by title would mean what he did didn't work. 
and your bad behavior is stronger than his blood. And now because you act so bad, you're now back to the state he found you in. That's what we're saying when we say we have to earn and have self-performance in order to maintain our salvation. It's saying that we somehow revert back to the state that he found us in. And that means that his power wasn't strong enough. All we did was just reverse engineer that, that, that belief. That ain't true, y'all. His blood was enough. His sacrifice was enough. You are no longer sinners. You are in much better, uh, at a much better state than what he found you in. He found you in a mess. And you know how, how you were before you found him. Christ came at just the right time and died for you who were a sinner. Verse 7. Now, most people would not be willing to die for an upright person. Though someone might perhaps be willing to die for a person who is especially good. Verse 8. But God showed his great love for us by sending Christ to die for us while we were still, still, remember the believer and unbeliever I talked about earlier? While we were still sinners. Not once you get right. While you were still a sinner, he died for you. So please don't buy into the lie that he died for you and loved you so much while you were a sinner, but now that you're saved and you make a mistake, he don't want nothing to do with you. That is nuts. I loved you at your worst, but now that you got me and you're my child at your best, I'm kicking you out because you made a mistake. Please tell me how is that love. But that's the argument that's being made. That if you make a mistake and do something, if you have a human moment and you're not listening to the, 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 the Holy Spirit on the inside of you and you sin, you now become a sinner and lose your salvation. You love me when I didn't even know you. You love me when I didn't have your Holy Spirit on the inside of me. You love me when I just said, I, I don't know how or what I'm supposed to do, but I, I believe you. And now that I've lived for you, and now that I've worshipped you, and now that I've adored you, and I, I happen to make a mistake, now you're throwing me away? Who wants to serve a God like that? That's not love. That's not my God. Verse 9. And since we have been made right in God's sight, how am I made right in God's sight? By the blood of Christ. Again, I'm just walking you through the scriptures so you can see the truth. We still haven't run into our works. We keep seeing what Jesus did. And we're made right with God. We're made right with God. We're made right with God because of Jesus, because of Jesus, because of Christ, because of his blood. He will certainly save us from whose condemnation? Oh, so there is judgment. But you just read in John 16 who was judged. Satan. So when people ask you, no, this is not right. There, there is condemnation. There is judgment coming. You're absolutely right, but it's miss, missing me because Jesus already took my judgment. 
He was already condemned. He was already shamed. He took that. I don't have to take that. God does have condemnation coming. He does have judgment coming, but it's going to miss every believer. I said it's going to miss every believer. See, you, you got to read the Bible. You remember in the Old Testament when the death angel was coming um, through um, uh, Israel when, it was still, when they were still living in Egypt and they said take the blood and then put it over the doorpost of every house and what's going to happen is, is that death angel when it comes to try to kill folks in the house, it's going to do what? Pass over you. That was a foreshadow of the blood of Jesus being on you and on your house and because you're saved and you're a believer, when condemnation comes, because God definitely sent that angel, but when condemnation comes, it will miss the child of God because you're marked with his blood. You're no longer condemned. Verse 10. For since our friendship with God was restored by the death of his son, while we were still his enemies, I need you to get the power of that statement right there. It didn't say once you received him, you were restored. Your relationship with God was restored before you even accepted him. That's how, that's how, that's how unconditional this thing is. That's why I said for the unbeliever, for the person who's out there in the world, they need to hear the truth. You're walking away from a God who already loves you. You're walking away from a covenant that has already got your name on it. You're walking away from a friendship that has already started, you just haven't showed up yet. You're walking away from grace that has already been made available to you. It didn't say once you start acting right, you're a friend of God. Your behavior has nothing to do with his friendship because he's a good friend. Ain't that what a good friend does? No matter how you treat them, no matter how they act, they're always there for you. For since our friendship with God was restored by the death of his son, that was the condition. Again, the work was on Jesus. While we were still his enemies, we will certainly be saved through the life of his son. Verse 11. So, now we can rejoice in our wonderful new relationship with God because our Lord Jesus Christ has made us, that's your work word, friends of God. So I submit to you, World Changers Church Houston, Wednesday night crew, that there is no more work for you and I to do other than to receive the peace of Jesus. Receive what Jesus has done. He left you his peace. He left you his ability to be friends with his father to have relationship with God, to have salvation. And the Holy Spirit is on the inside of you, and he's even doing his job tonight, convincing you that this indeed is the case. You are a friend of God. You are a friend of God. And God takes care of his friends. Amen? Amen. Let's give God a hand clap of praise for all of that. I tell you what, that's good news. Now, if you're sitting in your seat feeling like, man, there feels like there's more to this, there's absolutely so much more to this, but we'll be here till midnight if I do that, and you're not going to come back next week if I do that. So, we're going to continue on with this, uh, but how many of you guys want to keep hearing more about this, about, about the, the, the peace we have with God and, 
and the fact that we don't have to earn it and that we don't have and that it's not about us deserving it we just got it now I'm gonna tell you guys something uh, as, as uh, get your get your giving together right now uh, give out of honor not out of works but you do that while I'm talking uh, if you're gonna give by text it's up on the screen now I want to tell you that while we're on this series right here we're moving into uh, we're still gonna be talking mar about marriage made by one uh, on Wednesdays, but I'm going to be kind of teaching this on Wednesdays and Sundays and then applying it to our marriages as well because we, we need more time with this, as you can tell. It's not, you know, we, an hour is not going to do this justice. Um, and we might be on this, I don't know, for the rest of the year, but we'll see. But this is a great time to bring your unsaved friends and family, your religious friends and family to church. This is a great time for you to not have to argue with them no more but allow the word to show them the truth. Act out of love, not out of fear. Fear will tell you, no, I don't invite them there because that, because you know, I, I tried to talk to them six times and, and they just laughed at me and told me I was stupid. Mm -mm -mm. You'd be amazed at what God will do. You'll be amazed uh, what, what people, when they hear somebody else saying it, uh, and there's an, an anointing on that, how it will change the way they think. I, I can't, I can't fathom getting to heaven and not seeing friends and family there. Now knowing that they're already friends of God. While they're enemies of his, he's still saying, I'm, I'm, their, I'm their friend. While they're enemies of his, Christ is saying, I still die for him. All they got to do is receive it. All they got to do is receive it. And then the behavior issues will get taken care of after they receive my peace. Man, there's a lot of people in this world that need to hear that truth. And I, I want to challenge us as a church to get folks in here that need to hear that message. Don't take no for an answer. This is why this church is here, to minister the gospel of grace, to help people understand grace and be empowered to what? Change. So we, we finally got our foot, took us nine years to get our foot into the mission of why Pastor Dollar and Pastor Taffy put this church here, to be a beacon of grace, to be a beacon of hope, to be a beacon of light. So what I'm asking you to do is bring them here. Go to where they are. You, they, you live right with them. You live right around them. You work right with them and bring them here and let them hear for themselves the truth so that they can know it and they can be set free. Are you with me? Are you with me? All right, if you are, then raise your hands real quick. I'm going to pray over you. We're going to lock that thing in. Father, I just pray right now for those who need to hear this message. And we as a church body and a church family commit today to follow the leading of the Holy Spirit, to invite those who need you who need to accept and hear about and believe about your friendship, who need to receive your peace, Jesus. As you guide us, we will follow. As you speak to us, we will speak to them. And we thank you that the work is on you to move in their hearts and bring them here. But we will be willing vessels to proclaim what's available to them here in this house. And Lord, we'll be careful to give you all the glory, honor, and praise. 
for the lives that will be saved, that will be snatched out of hell as a result of your love. We believe this and we receive this in Jesus' name. Now, Father, for this offering that we have, we dedicate it to you. We honor you with it. We know that we are blessed, but we put this seed into good ground. And we thank and praise you in the name of Jesus that this is good ground that will produce a harvest. And we'll be careful to give you all the glory and praise for the victory that comes from that as well. In Jesus' name. If you agree with that, say amen. Ushers, you may serve the people. If you're in this room and you don't know Christ as your personal Lord and Savior, then tonight you can be saved. Or maybe you say, I am saved, but I have not received the baptism of the Holy Spirit or the evidence of speaking in tongues, him upon me to do what I need to do, as you said earlier. If that's you in this room, then we're going to invite you in a minute down here to the front. And last but not least, if you don't have a good church home, I can't think of a better place in all of Houston for you to be than the place that God has called you to. And if that be here, we would love to welcome you to this church. So there's three things that I've called for today. Salvation, baptism of the Holy Spirit, or the joining church. And if you would say any one of those three things are for you, then we would love to pray with and for you today. So I'm going to ask everyone to stand to your feet. And as you stand to your feet, minister to those who are around you and ask them if they need prayer for any one of those things. If they would say yes on anything, then help them come down to the front. Let's do that right now. Like everybody's good to go. Let's give God some praise. Amen. Well, did you guys get anything out of that tonight? Man. I'm telling y'all what, we're just going to keep digging through the word. I, I just love the word. You know what I'm saying? If you hadn't figured that out by, by now, I, I got to, sometimes I can't get past a, a the. And I'm just like, it's, it's the, it's him, it's, it's, you know, and, uh, and just I'm so excited about what the word is showing us. Uh, and we're just going to continue to dive into it and get revelation. My prayer is that every time you come through this door, something's revealed to you that you didn't know. Uh, the Holy Spirit speaks something to you that's an answer for you. Uh, and, and I just thank God that uh, many of you come down and say that that's exactly what's happening in your life. So uh, let me pray for you and get you out of here on tonight. Uh, raise your hands. Father God, I thank and praise you. As we're being dismissed and leaving this place, we are truly in your grace. We receive your peace tonight, Jesus. Now unto you, who is him, who is able to keep us from falling and present us faultless before the almighty God, to you be glory, majesty, dominion, and power. Again, as we leave this place, we travel with your mercy, we travel with your grace, and we thank you for your love. We thank you for your friendship, Lord. And we'll be careful to give you all the glory, honor, and praise for it. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Well, guys, we love you so much, and you are dismissed.